You're listening to a Burnt Toast production. The Terrible Business of Salmon and Dusk Written and read by Mike Bartlett Book One How to Disappear Completely Episode 2 The Puffin Bar has started to fill with the Friday's worth of suits, and the DJ's trendy lounge music has shifted up a couple of notches by the time Josh arrives, his tie loose around an open collar. It's a warm night, sticky with the promise of a storm, and punters are at the bar in t-shirts, sandals, and three-quarter length trousers. Theo has been there a good hour, and is already two pints in at the corner table, a bag of dry roasted peanuts open for autopsy. There is a paper sprawled in front of her, with half a dozen job ads circled. Theo isn't qualified for any of them, but that's okay. She has no intention of applying for any of them. Waitressing feels like a narrow escape, and she isn't sure she is really ready to commit to anything else just yet. Only the impossible appeals, but she's smart enough to know when she is already beaten. She knows Josh will see things differently, but isn't sure when he had started. She needs to be looking forward to seeing him, but realises but she isn't. She's used to counting on him for his lightness, his ease and optimism, but something has come between them since moving to London. He has changed in ways Theo can't explain and can't help feeling are her fault. After all, it had been her idea to come, her dream for as long as she could remember. As a child with a Perth summer at the window, she was craving English drizzle. Josh was agnostic, but came anyway. This is it! Josh said three months ago, peering out the train window as they rode from Heathrow to Islington, brown suburban gardens and a low grey sky. Where are the skyscrapers? You're thinking of New York, she told him. I want my money back. That day, she was itching with excitement, but it didn't last. Theo had expected she would know what to do here, that she would recognise the life waiting. Back home, she felt like she had inherited somebody else's life, a charity shop life, with the wrong name itching on the tag. Here, she could find something bespoke. Josh, for his part, had fared better. After a sullen month, he found a proper job and slotted into London in much the same way Theo had intended for herself. Most irritating was that he didn't seem at all pleased by this achievement. Instead, he adopted a jaded air that, to Theo, bordered on precocious. Tonight, he arrives tired, kisses the top of her head, and drops into the chair across from her. He used to sit next to her. She is still getting used to him in a suit, unable to shake the sense he's in fancy dress, a boy in his dad's clobber. The brown hair, cut short for the interview, is starting to grow out in a shaggy mop, but there is little left of the student she had fallen in love with. If that troubles her, it's the reminder that she still feels like a student, like she's still practising. Josh counts the empty glasses, but doesn't say anything, picks a peanut or two before going to the bar and coming back with a fresh set of pints. What was it then? A week and a half? Two? Sipping a lager and lime, Theo blinks like she doesn't understand. Your shift finished at seven. It's 6.30, so what is it? Early release for good behaviour? There it is again, that drollness. Where does that come from? She puts down her pint. Well, you've spoiled the surprise now, and it was six weeks. You know rent is due next week. I know that. When did you start knowing these things? What are you going to do? I'll call mum and dad. I meant about a job. I could ask about temping in our office. His kindness 
annoys her. She has the sense that something has gone wrong with this scene. Josh has somehow found himself with her script. He is the hopeless one, the follower. She's the one who makes things happen. This was all her idea. Well, there have to be other jobs, he says. She thinks of the unsent letters on her laptop. The West End Theatre needing a stagehand. The TV production company needing a runner. The Piccadilly Record Store needing staff on the rock floor. She has polished those letters again and again until she is sure it's too late to send them. I think other people already have them, she says. I found work. Yeah, that's not helping. She turns the pint glass, creating semicircular patterns on the tabletop. I used to think I was gifted. It turns out I just went to a good school. Josh sits back in his chair, lifting his pint. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's something I'm good at, something I should be doing, but it hasn't come up yet. It wasn't at home. Maybe it's not here. But if I'm in the wrong place, if I'm doing the wrong thing, I'll never... She realises Josh's gaze has slipped over her shoulder to the TV in the corner. Evening soap opera with the sound off. Sorry, are you actually listening to me? He nods, halfway apologetic. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to agree or disagree. I wanted you to listen. Okay, I'm listening. Forget it. He doesn't argue. She watches him fight the gravity of the screen. The male gaze, immune to everything but TV and cleavage. He looks tired in a way she hasn't seen before. And she wonders about the distance between them. She isn't sure when she last looked at him properly. Are you having an affair? What? His reaction is less than she was expecting. She wonders if that is better or worse. Even now the blue light of the screen flexes in his eyes. Is he making a show of not paying attention? There was a boy this morning. He stopped me in the street and said he could help me with you. With me? He said he could help me find you. He knew my name. Now Josh is interested. He puts his pint down, fast and clumsy. Hang on! What do you mean, knew your name? He called out my name, that's why I turned around. He said he could help me find you. I didn't know you were missing. Now I'm wondering if you are. Are you sleeping with someone else? Josh ignores her. What did he look like? Well, I don't know. White socks? Indian and Pakistani, maybe. Funny hat. Coat? I felt like I knew him from somewhere. Oh, and he was wearing two watches. For some reason, this squeezes Josh by the throat and pulls him in across the table. What did he say to you exactly, word for word? This intensity unsettles Thea. She has the feeling she's missing something obvious and terrible. He said he was here to help. Help find you. He asked how many boyfriends I had, and when I didn't know what he was talking about, he buggered off. Why are you looking like that? Josh blinks, sitting back too quickly and nearly knocking over his seat. I'm not looking like anything. He picks up his pint, but seems to have forgotten how to hold it. It sits in his hand at the wrong angle for his mouth. He puts it down and tries again. Wow, Theo says. She can see his pulse galloping in his throat. I thought I was joking about the affair. He sounds like a street magician, T. You probably walked off when you didn't give him enough information for a cold read. Theo isn't ready to move on. Are you secretly interesting? What? You know, some days you look at someone you've known forever, and it's like you've never seen them before. I feel like I don't know you at all. You could have a secret life. You could be interesting. Right, because I'm not interesting. You remember what my writing tutor said? Last term, my 
last term. I told you. Josh blinks blankly. Did you? She said I should try to find more interesting friends. Like, that was my best hope. Not very kind. She'd been talking about you, Theo thought. Realising she has sounded more wounded than she intends, she prickles. Not very kind. You're starting to talk like you belong here. Even your accent. You're drunk. Are you gay? What? You haven't touched me in months. He makes no attempt to meet her eye. I've been busy. Work. Stress. If you told me now, if you came out to me, I think I'd believe you. You know, I wouldn't mind. You are drunk. Not enough. Theo knocks back the rest of her pint and cracks the glass down on the table. Laughs like a madwoman. I want to wake up with something to regret. You're depressed. I'm not depressed. I just have high standards. Come on, then. She pushes her empty glass across the table. Do me a favour and lower them. Josh gets the message. Maybe he's relieved. Watching him go to the bar, Theo has a giddy sense of possibility. She might be wrong about everything. The world might be wrong about her. She isn't a waitress, isn't a temp. So what is she? There it is again, a fissure, a crack in the world that she needs to push until everything collapses. But seeing Josh waiting at the bar, she already feels sorry for him. She realises she's been spoiling for a fight because she needs to prove she's worth one. London has made Josh irritable, but he's rarely angry. When he is, she knows that he cares and that she cares about him. At least, she hopes she does. Right now, she needs to know that more than ever. He brings her another pint. Sorry, she says. I think I'm feeling a bit lost, that's all. It was a pretty shit day. She's giving him a last opportunity for tenderness. It feels a proud, almost pyrrhic kindness. He nods, looking over her shoulder, blue light in his eyes. Pretty shit. The crack closes. Life goes on. Well, Sothia thinks. In the morning, Josh has disappeared. You've been listening to The Terrible Business of Salmon and Dusk. Book One, How to Disappear Completely. Written and read by Mike Bartlett. been listening to a Burnt Toast production.